As seems to be happening a little too frequently nowadays, I forgot to press the record button as we started out here. Luckily, I'm getting a little better. I caught it about two or three minutes into it, uh, so we didn't really lose very much. So just to catch you up before we jump into it, I had been, uh, let's say, complaino commenting about the executive briefing center format, the EBC, the big, uh, as we talk about the big, the big multi-hour, sometimes day-long dog and pony show that vendors will bring uh, customers through. And uh, I kind of listed my my uh, sort of existential angst about them, and as ever. Brandon came in to uh, calm me down and explain what the point was and how, in fact, uh, they're useful and how to how to think about them and feel good about them afterwards. So uh, I'll I'll try to be a little better about the uh, recording. That's always valuable uh, for a audio based medium. And uh, with that, jump right in here and uh, stick around after the EBC stuff to listen to uh, us yammer about corporate podcasts and all of that sort of stuff. A suburb you've never heard of, you're going to say, like, I'm from this place, and it was really cool, and it did, this was fun, and this was bad. So I think EBC is the same kind of thing, right? So, like, um, you know, now obviously EBC is not just two people. So when the sales rep, who's really kind of, like, constructed the date usually, he's bringing in, you know, like, your, people like yourself, and I've done plenty of them. They want you to come in and, like, if you will, be, the, be like, a great story or a great part of the, the team. Like, look, I got you access because I always won – that, you know, an EBC is always about like showing the customer, like I'm giving you access to like the people that really make the biz- the big decisions here. Like, you know, you're going behind the curtain, and you know, and sometimes like that's you, I'm sure Kote or me. Sometimes like you're representing some product, and then what you were saying before is you always have like the planned unplanned CEO visit. Like, oh, I just you know I just was walking by and I didn't have a ton of time, but you know, of course the CEO is always going to stop by if he has customers <laughs> in the building, right? Yeah. Like that's his job. So he's going to come in and. You know, he's going to maybe say something good about his team and then like ask some questions. Um, so I think it's okay, right, to have. I mean, sometimes this seems wrong. I think people sometimes like like the notion of a stump speech seems wrong, but like no, having thought about common answers to common questions and like what are the things you want people to take away from it um, is really good, right? Because I mean, you sound polished and like, and it really has like you're putting thought into it. So like a long answer to your thing is like. Every EB, it would be great of every EBC, like, you know, it was like totally custom, just like it would be great of every first date, like you had a lot of background information on someone and you kind of knew what was most interesting. Like you would skip over boring topics, right? Or things that are not relevant. Um, and you'd kind of maybe jump into it, but that's just not the way we build relationships. We build relationships. Like there's an important reason small talk exists. It exists because it's the formation of like a relationship. So to answer your question is like, yeah, I think you go in with your stump speech, you have your kind of set of stories, right? You're going to have your fun slides. You're going to have, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then, of course, you're going to customize it a little bit based on the information and questions that they're asking. And then finally, like with all first dates, right, you know, sometimes at the end of the first date, it was just a good first date. And that's kind of probably be the end, right? There wasn't a, a need to go forward for whatever reason. And I think an EBC, like many EBCs are going to end that way. They're going to end with like, you know, like you're a nice person. We should be friends, I don't want to do business right now, right? And it, that's just part of the nature of it. So just like, um, you know, I've sort of been out of the dating game for a long time, like, but anybody that's in inside sales or anyone that's single going on dates or anyone that's doing a lot of EBCs, like, you just learn to, like, you know, enjoy the rejection. The rejection just means that, like, you did the job, everyone got the information to make a decision, it's not going to move forward, but the good thing is it's over, and now you're on to the next EBC. Mm. No, that's good. That's good. I mean, I think it addresses, as you're talking through it, the... The three problems I have with with EBCs, um, but and, and I think I think it nips most of them in the bud, and and uh, 
One is like this sense of being disingenuine, right? And um, I would have this problem as an analyst as well, where you would get on a uh, 30 or if you're lucky, uh, 60-minute consultative call, and someone had asked you a question, and you're kind of like, man, I mean, I guess this is a little bit of like, uh, I don't know what the syndrome is called, but expert syndrome, where you no longer believe your own bullshit, and you even call it your bullshit instead of what you're knowledgeable of. Like, for example... um, you know, I could talk to people all day and night, maybe not night, I get tired, but about like developer relations in the late 2000s. And after a while, it just like seems all like nonsense. And it doesn't like directly uh, address their point. And then this happens sometimes in an EBC setting. Like I remember at a previous job, I was uh, on the EBC speaking circuit, and I would come in and talk about uh, big picture corporate things. And I mean, I guess if you know my profile, you can figure out which company it is. But like having worked on corporate strategy for that company, I knew how not not dodgy it was, but how like complicated and variable and, and tentative as any corporate strategy is. And so it's hard to be like, here's the glorious future. I mean, it, it you know, like you're saying, you don't want to be too genuine about things because that's not what you're being asked to do. But I think I think your analogy is good is that it's uh you know, I would, it's, it's often like a first date and I would add a second thing that it's, it can be, um, uh, two divorcees figuring out if they want to get remarried, <laughs> right? Like you have like, you have like the late term EBC if someone's been a long-term customer and you've got to, uh, you've got to pay some attention to them and, and re make sure they're signing their EULA or whatever, <laughs> um, which, which is fine. And then, and then I think I think the other thing that that consternates me. Well, there's like the prep stuff, which is like I mean that's just a problem that I have is like to channel my uh, everyone's everyone's favorite curmudgeon Andrew Clay Schaefer. It would help if you knew what the fuck you were talking about. So so there, there's always that. <laughs> but uh, but but then the other thing is like especially in the role that I'm in, like it's always difficult to tell if it's not so much a good use of my time, but that if it mattered. Right. Like, you know, I don't have any metrics or KPIs or anything. So like it's it's difficult to know if like was this is this something I should have been doing um, or could I have just goofed off instead or, you know, done whatever other work. And so I don't know. I think to that extent and you address this kind of is sort of like, yeah, I mean, you got to do EBCs. And if someone's invited you to do it, either someone else wasn't available. <laughs> and so you're filling in their slot or, you know, they actually wanted you to come present something and. I think that's just particular to the type of uh, evangelism work that I do that you don't really ever see the final impact of it. And then and then the final thing that gets to be, I, I think you chalk it down to just enjoying the game, as it were, is like oftentimes if you get questions in advance, there are not actually answers to the questions. Either you don't have anything to sell to that or it's just like, it's just like a science project question, right? And so like, for example, I don't know if this has happened. I don't think it's happened, but I would imagine there are EBCs happening multiple times a day talking with rando company. Let's let's pick on someone talking with MicroFocus. And there's going to be 30 to 60 minutes of discussion on blockchain, <laughs> right? And you're just like, what? Like, what? why would we even be talking about this? Like, MicroFocus has very little if anything to offer here and yet we need to talk about this kind of thing but i don't know if you if you're sitting down at that table there and someone wants to talk about like baseball 
I guess you figure out how to talk about baseball somehow. You're like, oh, the uh, one of those teams won last night, right? That uh, seems like it was a big deal. Rah, rah. <laughs> right. Well, but I think you have to look at, too, like always remember, like we tend to look at the EBC from kind of the vendor side. Like, you know, we're, if we're in one, we're usually the people like on stage or like, you know, getting prepared to present or like, you know, we have some perceived uh, notion that, you know, we have some answers right now. The flip side of that is the customer side, right, where. You know, they have been tasked because they're there for some reason, right? I mean, they may be there, there for the like for the frivolous reasons, like a free lunch, free dinner, whatever. They had time to kill. Uh, this rep was really persuasive, but a lot of times it's like, well, they're like, well, I got to figure out this blockchain thing, right? Somebody's just like somebody's told them blockchains is important, and you know, we need a, a strategy. So that's their side of it. So you yeah. know what they're doing is just kind of going around, and you know. They don't necessarily know. They're like, I could read all these reports. I've talked to analysts. You know, you guys say you have something on blockchain. Fine, I'll come down for an hour and I this is, you know, tell me what you know. And they're, you know, again, back to the first date. Like how many first dates just end with like that was a good meeting, but that was, you know, that's the end of it. It's like, fine, maybe they just learned that you don't have a viable blockchain strategy, right? Or they they realize that whatever you're doing is not relevant to them. And that's just as useful to them as it is it's not the outcome you, you want, right? But it's very useful meeting. So I think you have to sometimes look at it that way. It's just like, hey, if I've been tasked with, um, do, you know, doing research on a, bu- a bunch of things, like, yeah, like sometimes sitting in conferences or just listening to something, um, even when it's clear, like just sometimes listening to something to learn that that person has no idea what they're talking about can become very valuable, right? You're like, okay, mm. I did. I went down that rat hole. I know they don't have the answer. I now, you know what I mean? I can check the box very yeah, confidently yeah. and move on and be like, I'm going to go do this other thing now. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess, I guess, I guess, so there's two things and then we'll get to the, uh, the, uh, I looked up nominal recently and it doesn't mean what I think it means. Uh, the word I'm always should be using is ostensible. I thought they were basically synonyms, but, uh, whatever. When has using a word correctly ever stopped me from using it correctly, so to speak? Um, <laughs> but, uh, uh, what was I going to say? Yeah, you know, I, I guess my first reaction to, to EBC type of stuff is uh, that mix of arrogance and that I have no hobbies uh, except the tech industry where, where I assume everyone else has read the internet every day and they're sort of like up on things enough to know like what they would do with blockchain or something, which which again, I, I think is a lot more arrogance or something. But that, no, that's true. Like as as kind of in, a, in an odd way, um, working for a large conglomerate, uh, as it were, and I'm sure you have this, have had this experience and have it as well. Like when it's one of the gigantic dog and pony shows, which is like, we're going to tell you everything Dell Technologies is up to. It's often fascinating to see what my peers are up to in other groups and how they articulate things and do things. Like I remember one presentation I saw in particular, um, we were talking to some highfalutin customer and, um, uh, it was a presentation from every company has a name this, but it was, Let's get one of our IT department people to talk about how we do IT, which is a that's a popular format. And um, usually those presentations are not very good or credible because many different reasons. But this one was pretty good about how the, the EMC people uh, ran their own IT and it put things into place. And it was good because they were going over like actual tactics and things like that. And and then, of course, when you work at a large company, it's always good to see what the um, the uh, the synergy slide of the year is. <laughs> how how it all fits together. So so that's true. Like I, I can see as an audience, like it's uh, it's nice to consume that stuff. And uh, I don't know. I forgot what the second point I was going to make was. Uh, but uh, yeah, yeah. 
six-page memo. That that seems like it would solve a lot of problems. But I think that kind of like you know takes us where we're headed, right? It's like, well, you know, the EBC, right? If you're a person, right, if trying to learn a bunch of different stuff about some new technology or area that you've been tasked with, like, there's a bunch of different ways that you can learn about it, right? And like an EBC is maybe the most traditional like sometimes i think just because I, I work here at ibm i'm like i think I, I always just say this stuff i don't know if it's true i feel like ibm probably invented the ebc they're like mm. you know what we should do have them all come over to this nice room and we're going to explain it to them but as you know we talked about with like digital media and stuff like that you know it's by far it's probably right now whether it's a good tactic or bad tactic it's a tactic out of favor right yeah people will do ebcs but they really you know every company is trying to like do some other type of Matt, of enabling of this, right? Oh. So, so this is, I think, you know, what do people want? Do they want a podcast? Do they want a yeah. written document? And like, and what makes these things good? Yeah, you know, it's just you bring up you bring up one note just to air the uh, to to empty the queue the 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 tanks of EBC stuff, and then we'll move on. Like it is like um, I I should have been tracking this over the past three years, but. I think I think we are now at maximum penetration and market share of the EBC where you're told you know they don't really want to have presentations they want to have a discussion and and you know which to be a jerk about it you're like get in line fucker <laughs> right like, like that's <laughs> that's which that's what we all want right right like we all want to have a discussion and 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 in truth and and i'm more making fun of like people who call that out as like what we should be doing it's like yes that's exactly what we should be doing we we this ebc will be a success if we ditch the slides and end up having a discussion and go over time like that's exactly what you want that leads to the as you would say second date but it it is it is funny that um I don't know. Maybe it's telling of the stump speech problem where people feel the need to uh, point that out all the time. But uh, yeah, you you want things to go well. So before we get to the uh, the corporate podcast, not that we need to have any ads here, but you know, if you're probably already subscribing since you can listen to this to the Patreon thing, you know, here, here's my here's my pitch. If you're paying a dollar and you're the type of person who listens to this podcast, you probably have four more dollars you can give us a month. And you know what? What are we going to do with that money? I don't know. Like we're making a logo or some shit. So like we'll we'll do stuff, and uh, it's encouraging. It's it's a type of feedback that uh, seems to make sense, and like we can all agree on money. So uh, that'd be fun. I think we're at eighty dollars now that that we get, which is no uh, no due by Friday, like sixteen twenty thousand dollars a month. But you know maybe we'll get there. We're in it for the long term. So in twenty years, maybe we'll be up to like five hundred dollars. It'll be good. We'll, we'll see what happens. And then also, if you want to, um, if you're into uh, textual things, uh, if you go to softwaredefinedtalk.com slash Slack, thanks to no SSHJJ, you can automatically sign up and join the uh, the Software Defined Talk uh, Empire Slack channels. We have one here called Exegesis for this podcast. We talk about things here and there. Every now and then I try to post some follow-up of examples of, uh, of stuff that we do. Uh, but, you know, you should join us there in Slack. That's fun. So... You know, I'm I'm as I'm listening to myself here. I think I need to bring my little uh, my little sound screen so I don't get those uh, those plosives. Do you hear that? Those plosives, a little bit of blowing into yes. there. But uh, thankfully, I have two of those. So maybe that that would be a new level of ridiculousness if I actually bring that in my standard kit. Maybe we should write that down as a topic, Brandon. The uh, the travel backpack. Do you think that's in the Jump the area back. of this this podcast? I think it is. Since we control what's in the area, I can ah. stay confident. 
well said. Area. He who controls, he or she who controls the EBC agenda controls the date. <laughs> yes, that's exactly true. And, and then, and then also another another uh, another hallmark of EBC agenda is what I like to call butterstick cookies. They always bring in those cookies that I'm convinced are basically an excuse to eat a stick of butter wrapped up in some flour. They're delicious, but they will kill you. So beware of those. So, uh, you know, here we are in a podcast. And I think, you know, uh, people may not know this if they haven't listened to our nonsense for the past 10 years. But Brandon and I used to do a corporate podcast that you uh, you brought about and invented and fought for when you were at Sun, the, uh, the Sun Identity Buzz podcast with uh, producer Bianca. As I recall, <laughs> that's right. We actually had a, right. a producer. It was fun. It wasn't. It wasn't producer that guy. Producer Cote. Uh, but you know, I, I think. I think. Uh, I think you and I, big fans of podcast. We've witnessed the uh, the consumer podcast stuff. We've done corporate podcasts forever. We're doing one now, and I thought it would be good to go over um, from mostly from like let's let's say from a vendor side when vendors are producing podcasts and and we'll get to like things like the A16Z podcast but when someone who wants to sell you something they're using podcasts as marketing you know what is that like what's the format why do you do it does it work um and like i said i don't have a specific uh podcast to go over there's there's some links to them but as as often brandon let me when you're doing the sun identity podcast what was uh and this was like what in 2007 2008 like what was what yeah. what was the business case for that literally and metaphorically speaking like why this is way back when why what what made you do that well i think this always comes back to you know what you were even saying in the ebc is like as somebody that's like produced you know various types of content right for various reasons around product marketing and you know evangelizing some company Right. Like we all know that what people want is something kind of like authentic voice, some type of like genuine information that's hopefully at least reasonably entertaining. And if not entertaining, not that hard to listen to. And, you know, and what I have found throughout, you know, my own career is that, you know, the mission of the EBC to go back to that is to really get the conversation, get the group of people engaged so that you're not giving a presentation, you're having a discussion. And actually, I think this is very analogous to like any type of roadmap review. I've done like hundreds, maybe thousands of roadmap reviews mm. with customers. And, you know, the goal of the roadmap, and I tell like, you know, people that you know, work for me or getting into product management, I always tell them the goal of these like 10 slides is to like, not really talk about them, is to show them something and then for them to either tell you why they really need it or why what you've just shown them isn't really going to help them, right? <laughs> yeah. And and because once you get the free flow of information going, right, then you start, you know, you're learning, they're learning, everyone's engaged, the the hour, whatever, the meeting goes by really, really fast. So, you know, the business case for like, you know, back in the identity buzz was, hey, like we know we go to all these conferences and we know there's this very strong uh, identity ecosystem. It's small, much like, you know, the software defined tech, you know, cloud computing. I mean, when I say small, I'm talking about in comparison to like sports or comedy or, you know, general mm -hmm. entertainment things. So we know it's not like we expect hundreds of thousands of people, but we're all at the same conferences. A lot of times we're talking about the same issues and we're having a lot of these conversations in the hallway that are really interesting. And I think a lot of the unconference stuff, you know, draws from the same idea. And it was like, well, you know, we can't all fly around to all the conferences, although you and Matt Ray are doing your best to, to get to as many as you can. Um, so is there like a more scalable way? Could we have a conversation with somebody 
can we educate uh, everyone on whatever we're talking about? You know, can we do some, usually some level of evangelism? If we don't want to think of it, we're just kind of like always kind of referring back to like the company we have, the products we have, and why we're solving those things. And can we, you know, basically use this as a an ongoing way to build a relationship and and influence people? And you know, even back to like the old. Um, Sun Identity Buzz days, right? Like I would get emails, not like I don't want to say thousands, right? But we'd get them from Software and Defined Talk. But I remember getting this one. This guy was in London. He's like, it's like at the show or something. He emailed me. He's just like, I really like your podcast. It really helps me walk my dog. And it's just like, yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> like he was like walking his dog, and you know he wanted a way to stay up on the news, and you know he really felt like he had like a relationship, right? Like he kind of like knew me, which is great. I mean that in the most positive way. I was like, awesome, man. Thanks. Thanks for listening. Um, and so like, I know like, and of course I'm just, I enjoy the medium myself personally. So there's no substitute for that. Like if you enjoy the medium and you're, you know, someone that's listening to other people, that's going to make you more enthusiastic for anything. Just like a writer. Like if you enjoy writing, you're probably a really good reader because you enjoy reading other books and novels. So it's the same, you know, there's your own personal passion, but you know, I'll tell you one thing I've always had, though, is that with all of these like new mediums going all the way back to blogs like in 2000 and before, and it's just like at the beginning, right, people are just, you know, just totally um, – I guess like the, the corporation is just so uh, struck by the newness. They just don't care about it at all, right? So I remember going back was like the reason we did that one was I knew the person that had an analyst relations budget. And then we had enough money, right, in the time you were working at Rudmock, and they just were like, yeah, that's fine. You can have this many hours, right? But they didn't really require me to, like, prove to them it was totally. successful. I was just like, hey, this is going to work out well. And, you know, so because it wasn't that much money, um, and maybe that's the thing for Redmonk, they should try to charge more. But because they were, like, <laughs> just game for, like, okay, I'll let you do this um, is really the reason that got started. And, you know, I never – we always – the only numbers you can really get for downloads, and we know Apple's going to change this, is, like, you know – uh, I'm sorry, the only numbers you can get for a podcast is downloads, which is roughly listeners. Um you know, that's all I would ever give, right? But everyone was okay with it because I didn't ask for millions of dollars. But I went to, I've been to other yeah. places where I pitched this, and it's just like people just, it's like crickets. They just don't get it at all. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, th- I think there's a few things to, to, to pick apart there. One, just to add my own historic context, right? Like, so uh, to do a little of the offstagey stuff, uh, and maybe we'll come back to it. But it is, uh, you know, the, the way that did work is like, uh, it was, I mean, that, that, that's, that's a good pattern for getting through unproven things that you intuitively believe in is find some budget no one cares about <laughs> or or more appropriately some budget that needs to be burned somehow right and so i think they still do this but the way that red monk would work is you would you would uh, prepay so to speak you would buy a block of hours as a company and then uh, our goal was that you would burn through all those hours so you would at least buy the same amount next year or buy more and so i think we charged maybe like 2 hours I forget. It might have been just like one or two hours, which is, you know, depending on how much it was paid, I would always think of that as basically an hour's like $500. Like if you go look at their minimum thing, you get 10 hours for $5,000. I, I hope I did the math there right. Um, or arithmetic. I don't know the difference between those two. Um, but, you know, it was it was stuff that Sun had already paid for. And um, it's hard to burn through 120 hours of analyst time. <laughs> so, so it was, it was, it was an easy way to, uh, to spin that. And so like, you know, then you get some uh, highfalutin analyst to be on there. And I remember, I mean, I think as probably, especially nowadays, like if you were to go to an analyst firm, they would uh, charge a lot more money. But, uh, 
you know, to toot my own horn, I think to some extent, thanks to a lot of the work that I did, like Red Monk was pretty, one of the earlier analyst firms to do like AV stuff. I used to do a lot of videos. We talk about that some episode. That's a, uh, that's an enchanting, weird story. I mean, just to summarize it, my feeling was that people were willing to pay for seeing themselves in a video a lot more than hearing themselves, which is kind of interesting. But Anyhow, so so then, you know, kind of fast forwarding, right? Like, you know, it, it's a good example. Like I I might have even pitched this, but like when I was at well, I, when I was at um when I was at Dell working in corporate strategy, um because I was working on like M&A and NDA stuff, like I just tried not to talk about anything uh corporate wise there. So, it would have been weird hard to start a podcast up there, but then also in comparison when I was at 451 Research, like there was just no appreciation of podcasts or what you would do with it, right? There was no direct line of sight to uh, to revenue, which that that comes. That's the other thing that I find um, when you're putting a podcast in place. That's this. It's getting a little bit better. In fact, maybe it's more or less solved. Probably next year, but for many years until until recently, when the New York Times writes about podcasts all the time for some reason, uh, like. Basically, the people who were in charge of all of your marketing ops and doing your marketing, I always got the sense that none of them listened to podcasts. Like they just didn't get it as a medium. And so it would not really be a priority or anything that they would value. And so like, you know, at Pivotal, so I do this Pivotal Conversations one. And I think, um, I don't know, I basically like bullied my way into doing it. And I think Pivotal early on was pretty enlightened to podcasts being a thing. And what I found, I mean, so, so. The format we follow on Pivotal Conversations is basically we follow the tried and true format of uh, let's follow let's do some you know I have this this co-host Richard Sroder you you got I always have to have a co-host and uh, we do a little bit of news at the beginning and then we have some topic usually a person that we interview at the end and I think for a vendor my my goal with that podcast is there's a few things the primary goal I have is just highlighting Pivotal centric stuff right so. When we came out with uh, Pivotal Container Services, we had uh, Cornelia on there, who's sort of like the the head of product for it, and we just asked her to explain it. And we've had people come on and talk about like stuff that we do in IoT and just whatever the the newest dot release of Pivotal Cloud Foundry is. So it's kind of a little bit of what you're saying. It's this this trickle of news about Pivotal that you can just kind of tune into. And you know, I don't really know tactically what the news part is about. I mean, it's not just filler. I guess, I guess to some extent, it's giving our perspective on stuff that's happening in the infrastructure world. I mean, it's not like it's not like Richard and I are probably going to talk about IBM's private cloud this that's been released. I don't know. We might mention it. We'll talk about Docker stuff here and there, but so we don't talk a lot comprehensively. But it it, it I like to think. What I found with the Pivotal podcast, and I, I wonder if this applies to other people, is there's actually like two audiences for it. There's like your the people you're trying to sell to, right? Like your market. And you know, if you're if you're doing some open source podcast or whatever, whatever your community is, the people you want to influence and reach and all of that. But then I've actually found and I guess I guess Pivotal is is the first place I've done a wide ranging corporate podcast. I found that there's a huge amount of internal people who listen to it. And it's almost like 
a news source for them. And they don't always listen to it. Like they're usually like a couple episodes behind, but I do find that like we have so much stuff coming out and different ways of thinking about it and everything that it is one of the primary, like at least anecdotally, it seems like one of the, the internal training and dissemination uh, vehicles that we have around here, which is, which is interesting. And then, and then again, like getting way into the uh, no pun intended, the weeds of it tactically, how that becomes useful is it sort of um, internally it, it like scales people knowing about me so I can get invited to those goddamn EPCs. <laughs> so maybe I should reconsider this. But <laughs> but it, it 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 is an interesting it's it's interesting to think about a corporate podcast you do you do is not only outward facing but also inward facing to kind of be like here's the most recent propaganda that you should be aware of and then also if you have rotating guests like here are interesting personalities uh you might be interested in in knowing and talking about um and so it is an interesting way of scaling up your relationships with people which you see like over the years you see with audience people right like we're always saying if you're at a conference you should come up and talk to us and you know i've seen i don't know how many maybe 10 or less, there's been actual sort of like sales processes that we have where people either are or become regular podcast listeners. And that's just like one more thing that uh, kind of wins them over and, and helps them out. So, um, yeah, I mean, I mean, that's, that's what I've noticed. And then there's other, there's other podcasts like, um, Red Hat has one on Kubernetes with, uh, Brian Gracely and I forget the name of the other person and they have people they bring on to interview. And I think more or less it follows that, that same format. Sometimes there's another format you'll see in a corporate podcast, which the podcast that Pivotal had before I came was basically like, um, they were like lectures in, in a good way. We had this Australian dude and he would come on and talk about, let me talk for eight to 20 minutes about this aspect of Pivotal Cloud Foundry and kind of give an explanation of it. And um, yeah, I, I think I think those are useful. It kind of breaks format from what a podcast is, but they, they seem to be popular as well. But more of what I see is just like the informal uh, way of, of, um, of, of formatting out your podcast. And, and I, think, I think obviously I'm biased because this is what I do, but I think if you, if you stick to the kind of casual thing with consistent hosts, then you can build up that long-term format of like, I, I like to listen to this while I walk my dog or mow my lawn mm-hmm. or, or commute right. or whatever. And ultimately, I think that's the best you can hope for with the corporate uh, podcast nowadays. But so it's interesting because I think Pivotal has almost all of the types of podcasts represented. So the one you just went through, kind of Pivotal Conversations is sort of like the the unstructured you know, conversation yeah. um, between people. But then you also have that moment of mm. you. Is this and one how? that you're involved? No, no, no. I, I don't get Is involved this one at that, all. I was going to say, but this one, um, I would describe it as like it's it's heavily produced in like a good way, right? So I think of it more of, of like it's kind of the case study version of a podcast where they, you know, they clearly have spent I, – I would imagine they spend a lot of money on the moment, right? There's actually a lot of high production value. They have um, you know, various uh, customers and executives on. So I think there's probably been some outreach to current Pivotal customers you know, to listen to, like, to be a part of it. But there's also probably an interest by the customer to raise their profile for whatever reason. Um, and so that's always interesting as well, right? It's like those are – 
kind of done and you know you see gimlet media has a you know which, which is like they do like reply all and startup and those like consumer po- podcasts but they also have a whole arm called gimlet creative where you can hire them to actually like produce a podcast that you sponsor. yeah and, and i think i forget if we I, I think maybe we hire them or we hi- I, I was told it's some this american life producer or something so who knows yeah i think i think that moment is like it's it's very similar to that like you've hired some some people so it is it's kind of like you've you've taken some people that have like uh, media and um, journalistic and podcast audio production skills and you know they're kind of formulating the story for you so that's a really highly produced pretty expensive way to do it and it's like i said that you know borderlines on trying to be very entertaining and also kind of teaching you something but it's a hard like i find myself like because i originally saw this format and i was like i love it i was like we need to do more of these i want to get like a team of audio producers and under but what i find is like when they're done and this is you know i'm not I'm not picking on that moment or anything like they're all like I just find myself like, um, you know, like I think I'll just listen to like just a regular podcast instead, you know, like I don't know. There's something (laughs) about like the format, like it feels too forced. You know what I mean? It's like reply all is really interesting to me. I like it because they sometimes they like take on specific tech issues and you learn a lot Uh, and then. Um, but it's like when you do it under like the vendor, even if the vendor's not involved, it's just it's just kind of like not the same. Like it's just sort of like there's something that just prevents it from being as good. So I think, you know, like the move like to me on the vendor side is like, you know, there's this distinction between do you want to put your own distinct voices out and, you know, talk about your company and give people access kind of like these informal conversation podcasts that we do. And then there's the question of like, well, I want to reach this reply all audience and we could do a whole, you know, we could hire Gimlet Creative to do it for us. But I actually think it's probably better off just advertising on reply all, right? Like just doing that because that's probably what you want. Like you don't, really want that you're not going to get the same listener base so like why not just do an ad there um and then there's of course what you're saying uh you're pointing out the the limitation of kind of the conversation style of a corporate podcast is that by definition your topics kind of get narrowed like you kind of get edited right there may be something interesting to talk about but it's not really relevant to the company for whatever reason which i think leads us into doing you know your own personal podcast right where um you end up like having, you know, you control the topics, right? Whatever you want to talk about, which, you know, again, gives you more freedom and can make it more entertaining. So it is, I guess this is a long way of saying like the corporate podcast being really good at it. it it's really hard, right? Cause there's, you're kind of like forced on either one of these edges. Like, Hey, I'll just listen to some smart tech people that are talking, right? May they work at different companies like software defined talk or, um, you know, the DevOps podcasts that go on, or I'm going to listen to like a consumer podcast. That's just really entertainment entertaining on a subject that I like. Yeah. You know, I, I, well, I don't know if need is the right word, but I would be curious to listen to other companies equivalent of the, uh, highly produced that moment thing. Right. Cause, um, you know, there are, and those are interesting because it doesn't, it's not all pivotal customers. It's almost like the, uh, the ad, I mean, of course it's corporate stuff, but it's like the advertorial thing where like, we're going to sand- sandwich a pretty direct pivotal pitch uh, in between like three slices of non-pitching, <laughs> right? And and so like you won't be able to distinguish when you're being pitched to versus like just informal stuff that you might learn from. And I guess like um, I don't really know who the audience for that kind of podcast is, right? Where it's, it's like very highly produced and 
but it's not like the informal, like hanging out, like podcast zoo format, right? And and maybe I I don't know. I mean, that would be really interesting if there was this new audience of podcast listeners who weren't the people I've grown up with, <laughs> right? Like, but it, it it you know it gets to that thing where you're just like, oh, I would rather listen to some other podcast. Like, I don't need to hear. Um, you know, this, this very produced edited story of how someone did digital transformation. I I could, and, and, you know, the other thing with this style of podcast that, that always annoys me is I feel like, um, especially if you're hiring out to like some former NPR producer is like, it never goes to the level of detail that I find helpful. Like, I want to know, like, like, like there was one of the better that moment things was, I think we talked with or they talked with some people from Domino's about how they were changing over, uh, you know, buying pizzas from your watches and stuff like that. And it was a good, I, I, I think w- what it, what that format fails at because of length and because you have non-technical people making the editorial decisions is it doesn't elicit from the Domino CEO. So like, tell me everything that was fucked up and how you got over it. Like, what are the tactics right. that you deployed? What happened internally? And more, it's like, and then you could buy pizza on the watch and people started doing that. Like it's more of a descriptive thing of how things happen. And, and to the credit of it, every now and then they'll, they'll come in a story of how, and that's the theme of that whole podcast is how people went through that moment to get over a challenge and innovate. And some of them actually do cover like, you know, it was, it was the 11th hour and we had to do this. And then, so someone said this and someone said that, but in that, that format, it's hard to have like an hour long discussion of like how over the course of two years, here's the tactics I had for getting over that, that, that you can learn from. And so, which again is fine, but, it, but again, it makes me wonder like who, who's the audience for that, that, that wants to listen to it. And I feel like there probably is one. I just, I just don't, don't know those people, but it would be good to go look at other corporate podcasts like that and see, see what their content is. Like, I wonder if, I wonder if like Procter and Gamble or like that big Dutch paint manufacturer has some podcast that they hire out to Gimlet and they're <laughs> right. like talking about paint or something <laughs> like, well, like, I do think it comes, you know, what it, these come back to is, you know, again, we're seeing a lot of experimentation with the format, which I generally like, but this is a place where the format like sort of breaks down because a podcast often like the promise is like, you know, if I subscribe to a podcast, I'll get some type of ongoing weekly, monthly episodes of interesting stories. But a lot of times what I think these things are, are like, really well done what could have been considered one time like webinars or case studies or whatever right so it's not so much like you're going to subscribe to it and listen to it every week but at the moment of time like we would find a video online or what when you're really interested like i'm interested in like what did boeing actually do right you know there's a point where people are um and that's going to be like it's in this way it's kind of greenfield content right even but it's served up with kind of this like podcast kind of linear um you know timeline to it so this is a place where like if there ever was kind of like this idea like a podcast just means like a really well done 30 minute idiot audio um, conversation that you could kind of promote anywhere, right? And that people are really used to listening to them. Like today, that they are around webinars. Like you can kind of put up a webinar with no date and just be like, yeah, this is the latest information, right? So, um, so I think you know, there's a place for this kind of stuff. I think it is today a little force fitted into the, if you will, the podcast structure. Um, but that may evolve over time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, th- I think, I think it's 
Yeah, you're right. There is because podcasts are more popular. There's a lot of experimentation going on, and and I guess I guess, I mean that you raise up a good point is like uh, there's probably a decision tree you go through where when you're producing content, you think should this be a podcast like a blog slash PDF slash white paper, or should it be a video or should it be a webinar? Right? Like you've got. I mean, those are kind of like core mediums you have, and it's I don't know. I I mean, as with any sort of content that you do you find out what people consume <laughs> and, and right. you go down that channel, right? You follow the old, uh, the old water thing of trickling to wherever, wherever it goes. And yeah. So, I mean, it would just be interesting, you know, maybe as, as I'm, I'm sure it has like a foot in both areas. I mean, so, so there, there's slightly non-corporate ones in the, the analyst world. And then, and then I think, so I'll just briefly go over the analyst ones so that we can get, I think, I think the, uh, the, uh, a 16 Z podcast is a more fascinating case study of a corporate podcast or interesting. I don't know. Uh, but you know, there are podcasts like, uh, from the analyst world and, um, I haven't listened to all the Forrester ones, but I think it's a good representation where it's, there was one I listened to when I was writing an article last month about, um, you know, uh, tech hiring and there is no talent shortage and stuff like that, where Jeffrey Hammond, uh, you know, friendly analyst that I've known for a long time. He's a good person. He was just interviewed in like a 15 or 20 minute piece about his research there. And I thought it was kind of like an A16Z podcast, but it was, it was a good one that was an informal. And I think it also, I think the chief complaint, so to speak, I get about my podcast is I'm not concise. <laughs> and so it like, it takes a long time to get nuggets out of it. But I think, I think it, it balanced very well. Like if you just wanted to get the salient points about what's in this research and get something actionable, you could get it from there. And then I haven't listened to a uh, red monk podcast embarrassingly in a long time, but um, you know, they, they've been continuing the tradition of like, let me, let me just sit down and interview someone about a, uh, a red monk related topic. And, you know, I don't know if they do sponsorships anymore, but, but, um, you know, when we were there, I would do sponsored episodes. Like there's a few, one of the primary ways I got to know everyone's favorite curmudgeon, Andrew Clay Schaefer, is uh, he was an early pioneer of thinking that we could do podcasts uh, as a core form of marketing. And he helped He helped me, I think we kind of co-discovered this interesting loophole for doing customer cases, which are infinitely hard, infinitely hard to do, which is it's a lot easier to get a customer on, a, on an informal podcast and just interview them about what they've done with you than it is to get a super fancy like PR approved controlled PDF out there. And so we did several of those around Puppet in the early days, which I think I think were good for for marketing them and, and getting that word out there and documenting uh, that customers are doing things. And then one more thing on that, and I don't know if I'm the only one who does this, but tactically, I think when you, as with when you do any work with an analyst, one of the things that you can target with that is that the analyst takes some amount of ownership of that work. And as we mentioned last week, like Ben Thompson is always doing, they start to refer back to it and build on it. And so I would do this with lots of um, podcasts I would do, and I do it with the ones I do with with customers nowadays, is I look at that as a body of work that I can put into the content that I have. So I would often refer back to interviews that I had with people in those Puppet podcasts or other ones, uh, which is kind of like, you know, you can you can wheedle your way into analysts promoting you more. So that said, we let, let's close out. Now, you're... Well, I don't know. Maybe you're not anymore, but you're a big fan of the A16Z podcast, and and so it'd be interesting to think, see how how you think all of this fits into there. But but I think they're in an interesting category because they have something to hustle, right? Like, and they have probably 
goals they have with their podcast. It's not purely just like, let's sit around and talk about this for fun. Um, and I'm, I'm always interested to reverse engineer the guests that they have on there. I assume it's a lot of their portfolio companies. And every now and then I assume they get some like, you know, big, big shot uh, startup Valley person who's just kind of like our uh, our EBC with the executive who happens to be in the office and they're just like, you should come record a podcast. Um, right. But it seems like the goals they have, one, uh, you know, uh, concern for, uh, as I think, as I think uh, in the hard thing about hard things, he even says is like, you got to have deal flow. So you got to build up your brand as a VC so that you get, you get, you get the Facebooks coming to you before they go to somewhere else. So in that way, it's like pretty phenomenal thought leadership. Like if you go to their SoundCloud page, I think they get like, I don't know how. I mean, I guess I do know how because it's because they're VCs. But they get like 30, 35,000 downloads an episode, which is just like, that's amazing, right? Like uh, to get that many downloads about blockchain nonsense. Um, <laughs> it, it'd be fun. They have one episode that I actually, I selectively listen to them and, and I do a lot of government work. And so they had a pretty interesting one on like government and IT, and um, so I listened to that one. It'd be fun to go see what the downloads were on that. But uh, like, how, how do you think uh, how do you think those podcasts like what's the format they have, and how do you think they're tactically used? And, and more importantly, like how do you consume them? Yeah, well, I think they probably have perfected you know using the podcast for you know their their uh, VC firm. And I think you know it all started with you know the hired the host is uh, Sonal, and I do not know her last name. But she's a former journalist, so you know they mm. have really, you know, they've gone the the approach of rather than like outsourcing this, right? That they feel like, and I'm sure she does other stuff, but like I think, you know, her big part of her job is like essentially media relations and getting the word out and stuff like that. So the fact that they they brought it in house, and I kind of, you know, I think I mentioned this on one of our previous episodes was, you know, her beat. I think if you think of her as a journalist, like her beat is um, all of the companies that one uh, A16Z has invested in, and then two, and more importantly, is all of the industries that they may or may not consider investing in. Right? Yeah, so yeah, I, I have, pretty, I have noticed that industry bent to recent episodes. Yeah, so it's yeah, a yeah. pretty. If you said to a journalist, like this is your beat that's a pretty good beat right it's kind of like a good tech journalist beat and of course because um you know she works at a16z right she's going to get access to both really interesting companies really interesting you know founders or essentially really rich vcs um and then i i think they do do a fair amount of production around it like i've seen you know like just simple things like it's clear they have like a pretty nice podcast studio where they actually have people come in and I'm sure behind the scenes they have someone editing these things and making them look good. So just from a, a dedication of like understanding the medium and then putting money behind it, um, you know, they've done a great job there. And then, yeah, I mean, I think the way that they kind of do it is they take people that, um, you know, a couple things when they've hired some industry analysts like Benedict Evans, a former analyst, um, he's always in there. And I think he's sort of one of these people that are covering various parts of you know consumer tech so that's like an obvious thing is like when new stuff comes out they have him like ready to go to cover like the apple news the consumer news of the day and then two they've got a partners who are essentially experts in some technology area where it'd be like fintech or um or you know whatever systems management or whatever so they often will end up having like the partner that invested in the company along with a couple companies representing some area, right? So like like they had Tanium on, which is like a systems management company, right? And they kind of talk about that. And, you know, it comes across as super genuine. Like I don't actually feel 
um, overly sold to, and they're not really selling anything, right? Of course, they're just really all they're selling is like, hey, if you have a good idea, you should come bring it to to A16Z, right? So it's just sort of reinforcing their brand. And then, of course, the other thing that's nice is they're getting the word out about some portfolio company. Um, but I feel like it is pretty genuine. Like I feel like those people are very smart. Like I think of this idea of like mission driven versus profit driven, like. You know, mission driven being like you do something because you just believe in it. Like we do this podcast because we really think it's something interesting for us and we hope to make money on it, but it's very much mission driven. And I think that's very much how those partners that are on there, like they enjoy talking about those subjects versus like profit driven, which are often like, you know, some of the sponsored podcasts we talk about where you hire some producers who just do not care, right? And, but they're going to do a good job, but they just don't personally care that much for the specific medium, right? Or the specific issue. So they just crank out like a good episode, but nothing that maybe has like truly interesting information. So I think the fact that they've kind of like hired Sonal, who I think has a mission driven kind of approach to it. And I think she is the guiding force or some guiding force like really trying to keep that those podcasts from becoming infomercials and i think as a general rule they've done a pretty good job and as far as how i consume them like it's like all these podcasts i mean i subscribe or i have like hundreds probably a hundred 150 different you know podcasts in my overcast right where i just sort of like have them like ready to go and but i do a lot of like episode deleting right and i'll just kind of quickly read the descriptions in you know a16 a16z is talking about something i'm really interested in i'll grab it if it looks like you know this is like the 15th conversation about cryptocurrencies right you know that one i'm probably going to skip <laughs> exactly um, so it's just but that's i find that actually to be the case with um with all podcasts right like i, yeah, when I look yeah. through my feed right this is what i'm doing all the time like we talked about scott galloway in the previous episode right so like he's showing up because i like i listen to a lot of tech podcasts right like so he's like clearly his booker this PR agency has booked them like on all of these podcasts, right? And it's like, okay, like I've, I'm, it's good, right? I mean, I've heard his, his interview a couple times now, so now I just delete that, right? So you, you do notice these patterns that pop up, right? So like, and same thing with trends, like Bitcoin and blockchain. Like, I don't know, man. I think you know my entire summary is like, hey, really interesting technology. No one really knows if it's going to work out. The end, right? Like, there's just like nothing else to say until something else happens. Um, so I try to skip when topics become too redundant, right? I skip through them as much as I can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, 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 I mean that that uh, as 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 you and I joke every now and then. Like, I think I think I I subscribe and unsubscribe to that A16 podcast like three to ten times a year, <laughs> right? And like, um, but yeah, I I have finally gotten more disciplined about like just uh, selectively deleting things. I don't have that uh, that completest problem. And I mean, they do they. I I think to summarize uh, the corporate goals of what you're saying. I think what they succeed really well at is going all the way back to the identity thing is building buzz and brand awareness ar around them as um, here's a source you can come back to to learn about interesting things. And we're we're a bunch of smarty pants because we talk about that and we have access to this. And so it is like and I guess that's kind of ironic because I don't think brand advertising has ever like worked out in podcasts. Uh, and by brand advertising, I mean there's no traceable call to action. It's just like, uh, I don't know, Ford, you should drive one. And now back to our episode, <laughs> right? It's just, it, or, or like all those ads you see for perfumes in, in an airport, right? Like there's no way of knowing, like, did that cause anyone to actually buy some perfume? You're just sort of like constantly putting out this image of, of what your brand is. And it would seem like, 
and this is me being selfishly speaking, it would seem like a podcast would be a perfect medium for that, but um, but it's never really caught on. But I think I think as an individual thing, a company can use a podcast as A16Z does for uh, for that kind of branding and awareness. And so so just being um, let's see to, to wrap up here. Let's let's pick one little tactical thing. There's all sorts of, uh, you know, I, I often get asked, like, people want to start podcasts, like, how to do all the uh, the back office, back office producing stuff, which, I don't know, I think all of that is tedious, but pretty straightforward. <laughs> like, like I'll, I'll give one tip. For your first three episodes, listen to it and make sure that you don't have your audio in just one channel. Make sure it's both in right and left. Because <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I guarantee you, you're going to fuck that up. Just like, yep, just yep. listen to your first three episodes all the way through and make sure you're playing in both earbuds. Yeah, I think that, well said. I mean, I think anyone who's never recorded anything, the first time you record something on a microphone, you're like, oh, it only comes out in one channel like that? Like what? You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's just incredible that. So good tip. Very good tip. Yeah, Stick just, just it, the most basic thing you can do if you're, if you're skin flint, go get yourself a copy of Audacity and test out. Or if you want to be a little bit nicer, you can get Fusion. As you get more advanced, you can go by Hindenburg or Logic or whatever you want. I use Hindenburg, but like uh, just mix down to mono, mix down to mono, and and make sure make sure that you're in both channels. You don't want to you don't want to be that person. Uh, so then let, let, let me ask you a tactical thing that we'll close out. What's your take on transcripts? I mean, I, I think they're they would be great, but no one has you know, made it super simple. Like I do sometimes think in the future when I like, you know, everyone's starting their next podcast business, right? It's like, yeah, it would be great with all this um, speech to text kind of stuff that like, because there's so much great content. Like if you could just simply, uh, and I think uh, actually um, this American life, I think they actually just pay people to transcribe it, but yeah. you know, they have really good, really excellent transcripts where you can then you know, find what yeah. you want. And then I, really I, I think, I think, I, I think that's old school media stuff where all the old school media used to make transcripts of everything, which, which, oh, which yeah. is fine. I mean, but, yeah. I mean, if, if you can do it, I, I think it's like the greatest SEO, like, you know, research, you know, cause it's just so awesome to like, to like, you know, find someone that's talking about something you're really interested in and go listen to it. So yeah, if you can swing it, do it. I just, it's really hard. I think, I feel like it's really hard. Yeah, to yeah. Do and, and, and it's especially like I've, I've done that in and out and in and out. I've done that on and off over the years and, and it's easy. You can pay like 50, $80 to get a transcript done of a podcast. But the hard part is like, you actually have to go through and correct it. And Paying someone to do that is even more expensive, and it also can be troublesome because if you don't pay someone who has technical expertise, they're going to be like, "What's a Kubernetes? I don't know how to spell that." Yeah, like how do you spell it? What is it? Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't worry if you're just getting into it. I would say, yeah, don't worry. Yeah, you yeah. know, transcripts last thing you need to worry about. Yeah, you know what? I mean, what like I, what I do nowadays. Like all information. I was going to say, just yeah. like like anything, is just, just try to record one. Just grab your phone and record. <laughs> yeah. a copy, like report, record one, and then use that to get it up and put it out somewhere. That's yeah. all you need to do. Make yeah. it simple. Yeah, what I do nowadays is if is if I find myself going back to a podcast to like extract something from it because I have nice expensing options, I'll have a transcript made so that I can actually like and I'll listen to it and uh, and uh, kind of like pull it out that way. Which I mean, that gets to the other thing. Like I think I think the the most opportunity I see left on the floor, and and this is mostly talking to myself is, and sometimes it's not worth it, but I often think that you could extract additional content out of a podcast, right? Like especially those those A16Z ones, and some of them that I do, it probably would behoove me 
to go back and like write an article about it, right? As as if as if this was an interview that I had done, and I want to kind of like summarize and reword things and pull quotes from stuff, which I do that every now and then with like like uh, to reference it again in that article about tech hiring. Um, it wasn't a podcast; it was a panel recording, but. Oh, actually, there was. I, I went back to a podcast I'd had with uh, James Governor and some other people, and then also a recording of a panel thing and sort of extracted quotes from them. But it does feel like in many cases you could uh, – one could do a better job of uh, doing more omni-channel content. But I don't know. That's that's like a call you have to make. I mean, obviously, if people know my so-called editing style, my call is ship it <laughs> that's right. and, and be done with it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, but I think it is. I mean, when done correctly, right? Like a newsletter drives a blog, which drives a podcast, which can you know drive longer forms of uh, long form journalism or books, right? It's just, hey, you know, and we talked a lot about that with like Scott Calloway episode. And it's like, hey, it's always good. Like it's easy to like draw that circle on a whiteboard. It's really hard to do all of it, you yeah. know. And so you know, you just. But I do, having said that, like you know. It's okay to start a podcast, try it out, and stop. Like if it doesn't work for you, just like it's okay to like write a vlog and not keep it up. You know what I mean? It's like yeah, try some stuff out, yeah. see what works, and just go with it, right? And then you'll you know, you'll find like what you want to do is what what where you'll end up, which is fine, which is yeah, going to yeah, be yeah. good. And yeah, it's going to be good. That 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 would be that would be my parting actional thing is if is if is if you you want to start a corporate podcast, I would recommend. Uh, one, very broadly, make a podcast you would want to listen to because <laughs> that'll be the easiest to do. And two, unless you have a lot of spare time and no kids, like don't edit it. Like, you you know, you could edit things that screw up, but uh, don't do like really fancy editing because that'll bog you down. And then three, I think it's good to like start on your own without like spinning up the big corporate wheels and kind of just make your own. And then eventually if it works out, you can start an official corporate one or whatever. But I, uh, I I find that unless you really know what you're doing and kind of like as I do, you can just like bulldog your way into it, you'll get way too much help in starting a corporate podcast. And then people will want to review it and all this stuff, so it'll slow down your, your learning of how to do things. So you can start your, your own one there. Well, this has been another thrilling episode of the Software Defined Talk Members Only White Paper Exegesis Podcast. Thanks for subscribing to listen to it. If you, uh, if, if you want to like up your subscription because you find this so valuable and, and you, uh, you feel burdened by having too much cash in, in your, uh, your pocket or account, you can go over to uh, patreon.com slash SDT and uh, be, like, be like the other good souls and go up from the uh, minimum of a dollar to $5. It's like our, our pledge drive. And also, it would be great if you join us in the, uh, the Slack channel. You can go to software to find talk slash – I guess there's a comma in there, right? Software to find talk dot com slash slack and sign up for it and we got the regular software defined talk channel we uh we track the topics that we'll probably talk about in there and then we of course have a channel for uh, for this podcast where you can discuss things and with that we'll see everyone next time bye bye <laughs>